Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Okay, here we go. Another Sunday morning. You've got a crowd of people ready to hear from God. And why do I always feel so inadequate? I wonder who's comparing me to their last pastor. Someone else could probably do a better job. Pastor Stewart did great last week. Maybe he should just keep preaching. That's nobody's fault. Just be awesome. Yeah, I wish it was that easy. That's so weird. I step on the stage every week and I still get nervous. It's ridiculous. It makes me feel like a loser. That's all right. Maybe next week I'll get it right. But here we are. you got to put on your game face. Just breathe, relax. It's your job to preach the word. It's God's job to change lives. But still, don't screw it up. It's go time. You ready? Okay, look happy. Let's do this. Hey, welcome to ACF Church today. We're so glad that you're with us. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're with us online, let's celebrate our online family today. We love you. We're thankful for you as well. Uh, Today's going to be a little different. We're going to have a conversation on stage, and so not a typical message, uh, but I think it's going to be extremely beneficial uh, for you. So I want to start off with a question. Who here would admit that at some point you have had a battle in your mind? Okay, so keep your hands up and look around. That should be the worth of the, the price of admission today. You're not alone, right? Everybody in the room raised their hands and said, at some point I've had a battle in my mind. And I know that uh, for me, every week, uh, sometimes every day, sometimes every minute, there is a battle in my mind. So I want you to take a second and think where in your life is the battle? Where in your life are you kind of playing mind games? I want you to think, what is giving you anxiety today? Where is there fear in your life today? What did you wake up thinking about that you just can't get out of your head today? Well, right in that place is probably where the battle is raging. And so we, we stop at least a couple times every year as a church, and we talk about not just our uh, spiritual health, but our mental health. And this is something that often isn't talked about in churches. And so we said, well, let's just be a church that talks about mental health. And uh, if you're new to Alaska, you might not know that uh, Alaska is a dark place to live. It really just at, a, at an emotional level, um, I think we're number two in the nation for most depression and suicide. Um, not something that we want to be number one uh, for, but I think Montana beat us. So anyway, maybe we're doing better, but still, uh, something that is, is worth considering is that this is a place of a lot of a struggle. And uh, one thing for, for me is, as long as I've been in Alaska, I've noticed, is that coming from about Christmas into Easter, the depression rate goes through the roof. And if you look at the statistics from Christmas to Easter, uh, the number of suicides in our state ramps up all the way until kind of mid-April, and then it drops off into the summer. And I was talking with a friend of mine who is a therapist about that. I'm like, it seems like you'd be more excited and happy coming into the summer. Why would the depression rates uh, get higher? And she said, you know, honestly, I think it's because we all convince ourselves that a little vitamin D is going to fix our problems. 
right? We all think, man, just if summer gets here, it's going to fix everything. And, and what we think is the, the, the problems are external, right? Like if I can change my circumstances, then I'll feel all better. And then when the, when the summer shows up, it's beautiful outside, you realize that you're still here. And your life still is as it was, right? And still the, the struggles continue on. And so for a lot of people, that sends them into a downward spiral that ends in uh, disaster. And so we want to talk openly about these things as a church family. We believe that the church should be the safest place to struggle. Amen? Like this should be where those who are, and if you're here today and you're like, I don't know why I'm here. I, I don't fit in with all these squeaky clean people. No, we are here at church today because we admit that we need a savior. That's why we go to church. We don't go to church because we've got life figured out. If I had life figured out, I wouldn't be here. I'm here because I need a Savior, and I need a community surrounding me, encouraging me, being a cheerleader for me, because I'll tell you what, I am my own worst critic, and I beat myself up more than anyone. And so I think maybe some of you struggle with that as well, and so you need encouragers and people to uh, help guide you into the right direction. That's what the church is here to do. And so we're going to have a great talk here today, and uh, we're actually going to open up in Philippians chapter 4. And would you mind standing in honor of God's word? Can we just read this together and just let this set the tone for us here today? Paul writes this. He says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And here's the promise. Then the God of peace will be with you. Amen. You can be seated. I want to invite Pastor Josh up. Give Pastor Josh a hand, would you? That's a nice little golf clap for Pastor Josh. Nice job. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we're going to do something a little different here today, so I want you to pull out your phones if you would, and this is going to be uh, interactive here this morning. We'd love to hear from you, and so if you want to scan the QR code on the screen, um, it's going to take you to a page, and you can actually type out questions that we're going to see up here, and so uh, I would encourage you to ask questions about the topic. It can be off topic a little bit. Um, it's like, why is Pastor Brian wearing a hat? So try to, try to focus a little bit, but we'd love to hear what's going on in your hearts, and maybe the questions yeah. you have when it comes to talking about mental health and suicide yeah. and depression and all of these things, what's going on in your mind. And as we go through the conversation today, uh, we're going to try to discuss some of those things yeah. with you. Yeah, this is called Slido. If you haven't used it before, you can actually read. Everyone's going to see your questions. And it's Okay, it's anonymous, but you can also vote on questions. It's like, oh, I, yes, get vote on that. Push that to the top of the list because I have that question also. So yeah. pretty cool. We're going to be uh, using this throughout the day. Absolutely. Today. So I, I thought maybe a good way to start this off as we talk about playing mind games. Uh, where, where do you experience mind games in your life, Josh? So like, I, I know that for me, like, this happens all the time. I've got this inner 
monologue going on that yeah. is really difficult and can kind of steal my joy in life. So where do you end up kind of playing some mind games? Yeah, I, I have some, man, I have some mind games. And for me, my mind games are always kind of like I'm lesser than everybody else. Uh, when I was a kid, I started school and my parents put me in like a year early. So I was the youngest kid in my class. I was always the smallest kid in my class all through, you know, elementary to high school. And then um, getting into the position I'm in now, like, I didn't go the traditional route, so I didn't go to school. I don't have a degree, and so whenever I'm around, like, other pastors and stuff, I'm always like, yeah, I, I'm lesser than everyone in this room. I don't deserve to be in this room with these other men and women of God who, like, gone through school, and they can speak Greek and Hebrew and all that stuff. And right. so even when I preach, I'm like, ah, do I really deserve to be up here to, to yeah. teach? Which is funny because Josh is one of the most theologically astute men that I've ever met. And so sometimes the battle in your mind has no like gauge on reality, right? The people around you, if they heard the things you think, they'd be like, what? Yeah. How could you even consider that? But it's just, it's, it's, our, it's our thought. I, I struggle with all kinds of places where I have anxiety and fear. And, you know, like, here's one. So like eight years ago, I got in a plane wreck in Alaska. Uh, and I actually walked away from it. And then like a week later, we did this trip to Africa um, to, to visit some of our international workers. Bad timing to go and fly across the world and then end up in these airplanes that were like, I kid you not, they were duct taped together on the wings. And there was like a goat in the back and I'm like, we're going to die. We're just going to, this is going to be terrible. And so my palms start sweating and I just, I don't love to fly at this point in life. Um, I think about the mind games in my life when it comes to being a dad. Uh, yeah. You know, I, as parents, you just constantly feel like you're screwing it up, right? You're like, how much counseling is this child going to need uh, for being <laughs> under my care for 18 years? And, and so as a dad, I just, I don't, I don't feel worthy of raising my kids. You know, I have a little boy that uh, I get to teach how to be a man. And I would guess that there's probably some men in the room who feel inadequate for that job. Uh, and they have boys that they're raising up going like, man, I just don't feel like I'm up to the task, you know. I'll tell you, as a pastor with ACF, uh, one of the biggest struggles is I just am so worried that I'm going to screw this thing up, you know, like, like the, in some ways I have the power to really, uh, really hurt ACF, right, and, and that I would mess this thing up. So this is a constant, constant battle, and those uh, words that you heard at the beginning of the message, um, I didn't make those up just for entertainment's sake. Yeah. Uh, those are really what goes through my mind before I come up and teach, is all of these insecurities and these things about myself. These are the mind games that I play. The question for you is, what are the mind games that you play? What's going on in your mind throughout the week? What's the narrative that is, is stealing your peace right now? I think probably all of us uh, have something in our lives. If you're with us online, why don't you, why don't you type in to the chat, where is the mind game yeah. in your life? Um, I want to focus on three words that we throw around a lot and, and kind of define them because I think definitions are important. And the words are worry, anxiety, and depression. I think we use these words kind of inter interchangeably, and there's some overlap, but there really is a difference. Josh, talk to us. What is worry? How would you define it? Yeah, so this was interesting when I started to kind of look at, uh, like, Scripture to go, where do we see worry in Scripture? Like, how can we define what worry is? And uh, there's actually this Greek terminology for worry called mardinau, and mardinau is this Greek word, and it's actually composed of two different words. This is really interesting. This is pretty eye-opening for me. So Marde now is two words. It's mar marizo, which means divided, and, and to divide, and then noose means mind. So literally worry means a divided mind. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And it is what it feels like. And I, and I found this quote actually by Max Licato, and I love this quote. It says, worry divides the mind, 
Anxiety splits our energy between today's priorities and tomorrow's problems. Part of our mind is the now, or the rest of it is on the not yet. The result is half-minded living. And so worry, living in this state of worry is living in this place where, yeah, I got this task, I got to do this, but I'm always thinking about, but what if, what else, what if, what if, what if, thinking about tomorrow. And that there's actually a difference. So when we're talking about worry, there's, there's this worry of like you're driving out of your driveway and you're like, ooh, did I leave the oven on, right? Like that, that, that's a good worry. Like that, that's, that, that brings us to a place of like safety and like got to think things through. But what we're talking about with worry is, is more of this like state of living, this mm-hmm. constant like divided mind over what is and then what could be. No, that's, that's good. That's good. So there's anxiety, and anxiety is a little different. It's kind of another level uh, beyond worry, and, and worry is mostly in our minds, but anxiety is often felt in our bodies. I mean, have you ever been in a place where you can feel anxiety? Worry is something you have in your mind. You're kind of like, man, what about this thing? But, but the anxiety kind of gets in you at a, at a physiological level. Oftentimes, worry is really specific, but anxiety is more of a general sense of une- uneasiness, where you wake up in the morning, and you're not even sure that there's anything wrong, but you feel anxious about your day. Um, oftentimes, worry is realistic. There's something specifically that you're worried about, right? Like, I left the oven on. Yeah, you should go shut it off. That's realistic. Anxiety can be more imaginative. Uh, it's like it's just about anything that could be wrong, we consider those things. And worry can lead to finding solutions, um, there can be good worry, like I'm worried about my finances, right? And so maybe I should get off of Amazon right now and, and not be buying stuff during church. So maybe that's a good worry. Then anxiety doesn't really produce too many solutions. And, and in many ways, we have normalized anxiety in our society. And it's a, it's a term we throw around a lot. But I want you to know you are not meant to live with anxiety. Yeah. That at a physical level, like it hurts you. And studies are showing that people experience physical ailments because of their anxiety. It's literally uh, decreasing your life expectancy. It's living a life of anxiety. And so there, there's kind of a spectrum here where we move from worry into anxiety. And yeah. then that often leads into depression. Yeah. So what's depression? Yeah, first of all, uh, when we talk about depression, like every single human being on this planet gets depressed, right? And, and we walk through these moments of depression. Um, and, and I love, again, going back to scripture, Proverbs talks about depression directly. And, and this, is what, uh, this is what it says. It says, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. And so when we're talking about depression right here in this instance, what we're talking about is this anxiety that what Brian was talking about, just we allow it to stay. We allow it to move in to reside in our hearts and our souls. Um, and there, again, there's, there's like this almost, you could say, this sliding scale of depression and worry and all these things, like getting worried because I left the oven on. Good thing. Um, constantly like thinking about the problems that could be not a good thing. And even in depression, it's like we will get depressed in life. We'll walk through seasons of this. If you ever lose a loved one, you will walk through a season of depression. And that's that's not a bad thing. That's there's a season of lamenting and all these kinds of things and these are not all bad but when we allow ourselves to kind of camp there to 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 move in to this place of depression that's where it can really have negative effects heavy negative effects on our lives and then on the other hand of this too on the flip side there's something called clinical depression 
And that is, that is different entirely. That is a, a medical problem. That is, that is something that needs to be treated by doctors and medication. And, and, and you're never going to just solve your way out of like clinical depression. Like yeah. you're, you're not going to be able to figure life out and stop worrying enough and now I'm not depressed. No, that takes professional help. Like legitimate chemical imbalances in your brains and stuff yeah. like that that need help. And that's important to acknowledge as well. Yeah, that's huge. And I think one of the things that we want to talk about in the church is, is this, this reality that there is a medical portion of this, that depression yeah. can be uh, situational, yeah. and it can also be biological. Does that make sense? So it, it can be about a situation. Yeah, you lost someone you love, or you just lost your job, or you're yeah. dealing with loss in your life in one way or another. There's going to be some, some, some depression that you might work through. And then there's a biological level where if your chemicals in your mind are not functioning correctly, like you need to probably get some treatment for that. And it's, it's a tragedy that in the church that we've created a stigma around this. Some of you have asked questions about this, like why is there such a stigma about mental health? Um, I, I think for some people, they've made it like a faith issue, right? Like, like if you have enough faith that you won't have depression, right? And, and it's funny that we would apply that to somebody's mind, but not like their leg, right? So if I broke my leg, you wouldn't be like, hey, just have faith. Uh, that it'll be healed, but don't get any medication because that means you don't believe in God, right? No, no, you'd say, go get some help. I, th I hope you would. Get it treated, go to a doctor, and you might even need some pain meds because it hurts when you break a bone. And we would say that about our leg, but not so much about our minds. But I will tell you, like, sometimes you need to get some medication. And here's where th I think we can go wrong sometimes is, is we fall on one camp or the other. I think on, on, for some of us, we say, well, depression is just a spiritual issue, so just pray about it. Right. And other people will go, no, no, it's just a biological issue, so just get some medication. And here's, here's what we say. We say it's both. It's both of these things. We need to pray deeply. We need to go to the, the place of turmoil and struggle and pain and, and ask God uh, to heal that part of our lives yeah. and, and to work in that spot. And then sometimes we just have to trust that he's present in that pain because it's going to be a lifelong journey of healing. And sometimes you need to go to the doctor and get a prescription. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually a really, really good thing for you to do that. And so I want to give you a few signs of depression. Um, and again, I'm not coming up with this. This is from people who are much smarter than me who have studied this for uh, their whole lives. And so uh, I'm just giving you some tools to know, like, here are some signs for myself, for my, my, uh, my kids, my friends, that we can keep in mind when it comes to depression. And so here are some things that happen. First, a depressed overall mood, right? In general, your uh, way of seeing the world is just lower than, than it used to be, right? So there's a depressed mood. There's a diminished interest or loss of pleasure, so you used to love riding your bike, you used to love going out on, on hikes and, and being with friends. Now you've just isolated and you don't do the things you used to love. There's also a significant weight change or change of appetite. You know, you're gaining a lot or losing a lot. That can be a sign of depression. Uh, sleep disturbance. You just, either you're up all hours of the night or you can't fall asleep, that can be a sign. Uh, psychomotor agitation or retardation. Literally your body uh, is, is slowing down or speeding up with the way that it acts because of the depression that's going on in your mind. Uh, fatigue or loss of energy. You're just always kind of dragging through life. Uh, feeling this, uh, feelings of worthlessness or guilt uh, is a sign of depression. I, I just want you to hear this. None of you should ever feel worthless. That's right. No human that's being right. was ever meant to feel worthless. That's why Jesus came is to say, like, every one of you is worth dying for. Mm -hmm. That's what the resurrection is all about. And so you should never feel worthless. And guilt can be good. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Like, hey, I feel guilty that I punched my sister in the face. Yes, if you did that, you should feel guilty, but you shouldn't live in guilt, right? right. 
Like the guilt isn't an identity issue, it's a situational or, or decision issue. And so um, that is uh, depression oftentimes. Diminished ability to think or concentrate. Your mind's just all over the place. And then recurrent thoughts of death. If you find yourself fixated on the idea of death, uh, you might be dealing with depression. And, and now some of you are like, I, I'm on that list. I think all of us would say at some point we've been on this list, but uh, clinical depression isn't just having one of these symptoms, but many of them for an extended period of time. Does that yeah. make sense? So over a couple of weeks, if you've had, you know, half or more of these, you should probably start considering that maybe there's, there's a clinical type of depression when it's just day after day after day. Let's, um, let's talk about a couple questions. Have yeah, you, here's a, there's been a couple uh, great questions coming in. I appreciate you guys' honesty in these. Uh, how do I... How do I tell my peers about my struggle? Um, which I think there's a lot of these. How can we de-stigmatize getting help in the Christian community? Um, yeah, you know, so there's a lot of these. Let me talk about that like, first. because So for me, it's talking about it. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Right now, we're destigmatizing it. Yep, absolutely. So if at some point you want to share this message on your social media yeah. and, and tell your story of, of depression or when you were really low in life, I just, I promise you, God's going to use that. If you'd have the courage to do that, I'd ask everybody in the room, everybody online, to share the message and say, like, yeah. I have dealt with depression before. Yeah. And that destigmatizes it. Uh, I, from the front, have told our church uh, that, that we have gone to counseling, my wife and I. Yeah. And, and so for me to just tell you, as your pastor, I'm not just prescribing counseling, I'm also someone who needs, needs counseling. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I don't know if, if that qualifies me or disqualifies me from being a pastor. But anyway, that's... Yeah. that's uh, how do, I, how do I tell my peers about my struggles? Man, be honest. Yeah. Like, I would be willing to bet they're going to be way more understanding than you think they are, right? Especially if they're peers that you trust, who love you, uh, who, who are followers of Jesus. They're going to want to walk with you. And so take that leap, and I know it's scary, but yeah. just be honest about what you're going through. If you don't have friends that you can tell about your depression, yeah. get some new friends. Like, really, like you don't... We need friends that we can talk to about our depression, and there are people here who will listen to you and uh, who you can talk to. And, 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 and just so you know, like you can always reach out uh, to, a, to a life group leader, to a staff member, to a pastor here at ACF. You don't have to struggle alone, for real. Yeah. And you should never struggle alone. I want to grab this one. This just popped out at me. Why do I act like I'm just fine when I'm not? Why does that feel right? Um, I think that feels right because as believers, we don't understand the grace of Jesus very well. And we really feel like, man, we got to earn it. We got to look good on the outside. I got to pretend like there's nothing wrong. I just got to show the world that, you know, my life is great and, and I can't struggle because now I'm a Christian. And I think that so many people have bought into that lie that I, I don't struggle anymore. I'm not supposed to struggle because I'm a follower of Jesus and he's supposed to take care of all those things. Right. I pray and it goes away. I think that's probably why you act like everything's okay right. when it's not. And then that, that feels like the right move to do because we can't make Jesus look bad because I struggle and I have Jesus in my life. But that is a lie. Mm -hmm. And don't live your life under that burden because you're not experiencing the grace of Jesus in your life. Yeah, that's how you feel. We've made that up in the church, is that like yes. if you follow Jesus, then you stop struggling. Like that is, that, that, that's, that's a bait and switch, friends. Yeah. Uh, it's not an invitation to never struggle. It's an invitation to, to meet Jesus when you struggle. Yeah. And that's why Paul, you know, like throughout the Bible, he's like, hey, uh, I struggle. We hear Paul's struggle just come out over and over again. The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I keep doing, right? 
Like, it's not me, it's the sin that wages war within me. This is Paul saying, like, I struggle with sin, and so who are we to say, no, we won't, right? The Apostle Paul struggle, you know, even Jesus on the cross is like, Father, why have you forsaken me? If Jesus can have a moment of hopelessness, so can you. And that just means that you just, what, what did Jesus do, though? He didn't just say, I'm just going to live in my, my sense of hopelessness. No, he's going straight to his Father, right? He's going straight to the source of hope. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's what we want to train our, our minds and hearts to do. We get a lot of questions about this. Every service, we've gotten this question about suicide yeah. and uh, what happens if you commit suicide. And I think often the question is, is suicide the unforgivable sin? Mm-hmm. Um, and so just real quick on that, um, we do not believe that suicide is the unforgivable sin. The Bible only talks about one unforgivable sin, and it's the sin of blasphemy. And blasphemy is not to say, oh my God, that's not blasphemy. Blasphemy is when you actually re- reject the, uh, the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Yeah. It's when you say, I don't want to follow Jesus. It's ultimately when you go to your grave rejecting the truth of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so that's the only blasphemy that's the unforgivable sin, is that you just re- reject God altogether. But in the end, no, suicide is... It's not the unforgivable sin, but I promise you it does so much more damage than you could ever imagine. Yeah. And that the cost of it is so much greater than you could imagine. And, and what you think it will provide you or your family is never what it, what it does provide. Having walked with families and people through this uh, way too many times at this point, yeah. I, just, I just want you to know that it's not the unforgivable sin, but it grieves the heart of God in an incredibly powerful way. And, and that's why I want to talk about this openly. Um, there's, a, there's an idea, I think, floating around that if you, if you talk about suicide, you're going to cause it. Hmm. And anybody who's a counselor in the room would be like, no, that is not the, that is not the case. Like, and that's like saying, like, leave, leave it in the dark. It's going to get healed in the dark, right? right. Like, any married person know, knows that, like, do your marriage problems get better when you just push them into the dark, right? You just go, like, let's act like that's not there. And if we don't talk about it, it's going to get healed. That's definitely not the case. And in fact, talking about it openly and destigmatizing the conversation yeah. is going to help people get the help they need. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if, if you struggle with that, if, you're, if you've had suicidal thoughts, you need to hear this. Like, we need you. Yeah. Like, you are needed. You are wanted. You, 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 you have a place here now. Like, you are not unwanted or unneeded at all. And I have even people ask me, like, is, is suicide in Scripture? Is there any, 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 anything in the Bible that would allude to, like, is it this unforgivable sin? And, and it's, there is a few suicides in the Bible, and the most famous one is Judas, and Jesus says, like, oh, it'd be better that Judas wasn't born. And so people kind of go that route, like, well, no, Jesus says it'd be better if Judas wasn't born, and it's because he committed suicide. It's, that's not why. It's because he betrayed Jesus. Mm. Um, it wesn't have to do with his suicide. Uh, but there is actually in the Old Testament, just on a biblical uh, premise, if, if you're wondering, we do see uh, uh, King Saul commit suicide. King Saul commits suicide. And then what David says is really mm. interesting. When he finds out that Saul has killed himself, he says that he will be reunited one day with Saul. Mm. That he will see Saul again, um, you know, in, in for David's understanding of the afterlife. Like the one day when, when God's glory is revealed, like I'll be with Saul again. And so that's the only biblical reference we see, but it is in there. And again, Jesus' covering of our sin is not limited to like our asking for forgiveness in that moment. So like, oh, I asked for forgiveness of my sin, so the cross covered those, but now everything moving forward is not covered until I ask for forgiveness again. Right. That's, that's right. not how grace works. Yeah, it is a not. once and for all covering of our sins because i'm probably gonna be a jerk when i'm about to die like i'm probably gonna <laughs> say some stuff that's not great and uh, i don't know who i'm gonna become in those last moments and i hope that that doesn't shape 
you know, how God sees me for all of eternity. And so we don't believe that. We believe that uh, once you are in the hands of God, that nothing can pluck you out of his hands. Yeah. And so uh, that's, that's something to take some hope in. And uh, there's such good questions coming in here, you guys. Um, I mean, just, and even just the honesty, if you've read these questions um, and, and you're here today and you felt alone, I hope now you don't. I hope you realize, like, this isn't a group of squeaky clean people who show up to act religious. It's a group of people who need a Savior. And so um, if you're here and, you're, and somebody's just like, why do I just not even want to live anymore when I know that Jesus is good? And uh, that's a really great question. And, and I, I can't answer why that is, except for that we believe things that aren't true about ourselves. That we don't see ourselves the way that Jesus sees us. And so the journey that we're on is rewiring our minds through the power of the Holy Spirit is that God's going to actually rewire and allow us to see our lives and the people around us through, through his lens. And I just promise you, if you see yourself the way that Jesus sees you, you will want to live. You will have a reason to live. And that's why this idea that like suicide is the unforgivable sin um, is so hurtful because the fear of hell is not the reason to live. Right. Right? We have better reasons to live than just fear of hell. Like God has so much more for you. And so uh, I just want you to know you do have a place here in a safe community. A lot of questions on how to deal with anxiety. So let, let's, let's keep going yeah. here because um, there's a lot of how do I deal with my anxiety? How do I help my friends deal with the, my anxiety? And so I, that's what we're going to move into here next. Yeah, I, I do want to like, before we kind of move out of the depression thing, I do want to deal with this reality that some of you are going to be like, I still think you're just relabeling sin. And I just, this is part of the problem in the church is that people just make it all about like, it's just a sin issue. If you just confessed it, it would get better. Once again, I can confess my broken leg and I can still go to a doctor, right? right and get some help. And I, I think that's, that's the reality is that it is both spiritual and, uh, and a physical issue. And uh, I, there's also a, a spiritual dynamic of uh, the fact that we have this enemy that wants to work in and against our minds. And I love this Louis Giglio quote. He says this. He says, The devil wants nothing more than to crush you. He wants to steal from you everything you value. He wants to kill everything in your life that's good. Ultimately, he wants to destroy you. If he can claim the victory over your mind, he can eventually claim the victory over your life. So I honestly believe this. I, I think the battle for our mind is maybe the most important battle waging for our generation. Yeah. Like we have, to, we have to actually lean in on this and because here's what you need to know. Where your thoughts go, there goes your life. Your, your life will follow your thoughts. And so we can choose the things that we fixate on yeah. and, uh, and that's something we want to really control. So um, in, in Philippians, that's what he's teaching us to do. Back to that text is he's teaching us how to deal with this anxiety. He's teaching us yeah. what are some steps in dealing with that. With that. So talk to us kind of about some ways that we can start to, start to deal with our minds, Josh. Yeah, so um, in, in the scripture, in, in, that fl- or in that passage that we just read in Philippians, uh, he, he talks about this idea of, he says, don't be anxious, right? Be anxious for nothing. And there's like a period right there. It's like, wow, thanks, Paul. Just stop being anxious. Right. If, guys, here's the answer. Just stop it. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, that's not exactly what he says. He, he says that, but he's, he, he replaces it. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, make your prayers known to God. Be thankful right. to God for what you have and, and, and rejoice and celebrate. And so when we walk through anxiety or depression or worry, um, yes, it's like this idea of stop and then replace it with something else. Mm. And so... Um, What's really popular right now, I've heard it said so many times, is like, are your, are your thoughts spiraling up or are your thoughts spiraling down? And, that, and that's a great way to think about it. 
But something that was taught to me several years ago, I think is so much more impactful. They're called consolating and desolating thoughts. Are your thoughts consolating or are they desolating? And what that means is this. Still in the idea of a spiral, a desolating thought is a thought that is spiraling, but it's spiraling inwards. It's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And my thought patterns are getting tighter and smaller and smaller and smaller. And at the middle of this spiral is me. At the middle of all of my thoughts is me. And when, I, when all of my thoughts revolve around me and my problems and what's going on, and they're desolating, they're, they're, they're being like pulled in towards myself, that leads me to a place of depression and worry and anxiety. But consolating thoughts are the exact opposite. They might start with me, but they spiral outwards and they push out and out and out. And they push out towards God. They push out towards his kingdom. They t- push out towards other people. And so when Paul's saying, don't worry, but pray to God and, and rejoice and be thankful, all of a sudden, yes, maybe I have this thing in my life. Yeah, I lost my job and this is really hard and I got to figure out how I'm going to make it. But God is good. But God has always provided. But you know what? I have people in my life who love me. And I know that this person's struggling with this over here. So I'm going to pray for them right now. And Mm -hmm. and I'm going to get my mind off my problem. I'm going to get it on theirs. And I'm going to lift them up to God. And and my thought Mm -hmm. pattern goes bigger and wider. And it, it goes away from myself and towards God. And that is one of the first ways that we can battle our anxiety and our fear and our depression is is to stop thinking about it all the time and let those thoughts of ours go out towards God and towards others. Yeah. Yeah, I think honestly it comes a lot down to fear, doesn't it? And one of the most common commands in the Bible is this, do not be afraid. It's over and over again, do not be afraid. Which once again, it's kind of like it's not helpful at first blush. You're like, thank you, but I am. Uh, Thank you for telling me not to be afraid, but I am afraid. And I'll just share honestly with you guys, um, over the past year, uh, God has convicted me deeply of fear in my life, and I didn't realize how much fear I had. I actually was on vacation last summer, and I was mowing my yard because I like to mow my yard. It's kind of therapy for me, and so I'm out there just kind of listening to some podcasts, and I just felt like God was saying, hey, I want to I wanna speak to you for a little bit here, and so I shut off the podcast and was just mowing my yard, just driving around, and all of a sudden, God was like, you are so full of fear, and it hit me like a ton of bricks, and I, because I had no idea, you know, I'm thinking, I'm going through life feeling like, you know, why, why am I feeling anxious, but really the root of my anxiety was this fear, and I'm like on my mower out in the yard, like weeping, my, you know, on the, on the lawnmower, my neighbors are probably like, what's going on with the neighbor, you know, does lawnmower break down, but like, I just, I was so overcome by the, by the truth that God gave me, I mean, the truth is brutal, but it's, it's helpful, right, and so God gave me this truth, you are full of fear, and I started seeing the worries in my life, and and how I mean, worry really is uh, it. You can't have faith and worry at the same time. Do you know that? So, like, faith is this moment that you're like, God, I trust you. I'm, I'm going to give my life to you. And worry is the moment that we say, but I want to take it back for myself. And so you can think about things in your life. God, I trust you with my kids, but now I'm worrying. So I, I actually am taking them back from you. God, I trust you with my finances, but now I'm worried I'm going to take them back from you. Like, God, I, I trust you with my future, but I'm going to take it back. So that's really what worry is. And at the root of worry, here's what God showed me, is, is sin. That there is, there is sin. And, and the Bible talks about fear. First John 4 says, perfect love casts out all fear. And so there's something you can do with fear. And like what Josh was saying is, is the way to deal with your fear is not just to stop being fearful. Right. It's to love. 
And I've seen this do a work in my heart over the past nine months, is that when I'm dealing with fear, I try to find a way to love. When I'm dealing with, with anxiety and worry, I go, I need to focus my thoughts not on myself, because that's what happens. When you're worrying or full of anxiety, normally it's, it's, it's because your, your thoughts are focusing on yourself. I need to focus my thoughts and my love and my energy on God and on others. And it's been amazing, you guys, to see how if I'm feeling fearful, I just go try to encourage somebody, go try to serve somebody, go try to uh, focus on somebody else's life for a few minutes, and my fear starts to dissipate. And so again, we have to acknowledge that in all of this stuff, sure, there might be a medical part of this or, or, you know, a situational part of this. You didn't cause your circumstances. It's not your fault, and you're struggling through it, and, and that's something that you can't own, but you can deal with. But then over here is sin. Like, we do have to acknowledge the yeah. part where I've harbored a part of my life where I'm saying, God, I just plain don't believe you. I don't believe that you can care for my family better than I can. I don't believe that you have a future planned for me. I don't believe that, that this life is just a short uh, time on the timeline and that eternity is actually what I should be living for. I don't live for those things and believe those things, so I'm going to live in fear. And so I would guess that probably everybody in the room at the root of your fear is a place where you've stopped believing God. Yeah. And so that's something just to acknowledge and start to, to work through. Yeah, and, and even like as we're talking and talking about these consolating and desolating and push your thoughts outward and and go serve someone. What we're not saying, though, too, is like, well, don't talk about it. Like, you can't, can't work through it because that's thinking about yourself. No, it's really powerful to talk through this. In fact, yeah. there's been a lot of questions, several of them. How do I help my friend? How do I help my child? How do I help my spouse who's dealing with anxiety? The answer is this. Be a safe place for them. Yeah. Be Amen. a safe place for them to share their story. When they're ready, I, I'll be honest and... and, and, and uh, my wife has been dealing with some anxiety and depression lately since her, the passing of her dad, and it, it's gotten pretty deep. And the best thing that for me is, is that I've been able to do is go, A, don't try to fix this, and B, just be here for when she's ready to talk about it and allow myself to be a safe place for her to talk about it. And so if you have a friend, a child, a spouse, let them know. Say, hey, this is a safe spot for you to talk. This is a safe spot for you to um, to, to speak to, and I'll be honest with you, if you're being like, you know, everyone hates me, I can be that reality of like, no, so many people love you, right? I'm going to be this safe space. That's one of the best ways to start, I would say, of, of, of helping someone walk through anxiety and depression is to let, uh, let them know that you are a safe space for them to talk. And then just on top of that, the second place is, is help them get help. If they need it, help them get help and, and encourage them. Again, a lot of stigma. We talked about that remind them, encourage them. There's nothing wrong with you if you need to go get counseling. Like, it's not, does, you're not worse than everybody else. You can help break down the stigma so that they would go and get help. Yeah. Lots of questions. Just, I, I think about sin. Uh, mm. Sin's a struggle, right? Yeah. I mean, we've all got something in our lives that we wish uh, we could change. Something about us, something about the way we act, and decisions we've made that we can't unmake, right? And we're like, how do I fix this? And so, um, there's an aspect of our depression that is connected to a rejection of God's grace in our lives. And there's part of us that I think uh, needs to go like, I just need to accept that, that, that God loves me even in my sin, you know? You know, the Bible says like, while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. It wasn't like once you got your act together, Christ died for you. It was like while you were rejecting God and while you were spitting in his face, God yeah. died for you. And so that's, that's the God that we worship. And so he doesn't, like, 
love you and then stop loving you based on your behavior. Yeah. Praise God, right? Amen. And, and so we, we have this God that loves us consistently through our lifetime in all things, in all situations because of his grace. That's the idea of grace is you don't deserve it. And so stop trying to get your life together in terms of des deserving it, but start choosing something better for your life because he's so good to you. Like, like let his goodness motivate the change in your life. Let his grace motivate the change in your life. Yeah. And so, so again, like this isn't a, an excuse to continue in your sin, but it's also not an excuse to reject the grace of Jesus because we, we, we need lots of grace, right, church? Like that's why yeah. we talk, our, our, our mission as a church, amplifying the grace of Jesus to the church, the unchurched, and the de-churched is because we don't think the world can have too much grace. Yeah. And that Jesus shows up uh, in John 1, full of grace and truth. Yeah. And so we believe that you can be 100% both of those all the time, and that that is what the world is looking for. Uh, I'm going to grab this question. It, it's hitting me kind of personally because I've walked through this. My wife has walked through this. It says this. It says, how do I not fail as a new parent? I'm afraid I will not be go a good enough mother. Um, and, and really, I think there's a deeper sense to this question. And it's like, how do I be perfect? Right? And I think as Christians, I know so many Christians, myself and my wife included, who have walked through seasons of depression because we couldn't quite figure out how to be perfect. And the truth is, we're not. You're going to fail as a mother. And you know what? God's grace has got you covered. Mm. Right? You, you're not a perfect parent, but it's okay because God's grace has got you covered. Right. And I promise you that God loves your child way more than you even think you possibly could. Yeah. And, 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 and whether it's being a parent, whether it's being a friend or a son or a daughter, whatever it is, I think so many Christians find themselves in places of depression because we failed. Mm. But what if we knew already, yes, I'm going to fail, and I understand that Jesus has already covered it. Now I can just live my life in a place of surrender and victory, not trying to earn the victory, but living in a place from already Jesus has gotten the victory. And, and there's such a less anxiety and less pressure to live a perfect life when we realize you're not going to live a perfect life. Yeah. And, but Jesus has already covered that. Yeah, he was the perfect life. Yeah. That was, that's the idea. That's, that's, the why we, that's, that's why you need Jesus. That's the point. And maybe our goal is to not need Jesus. Yeah. And you're just not going to achieve that. And honestly, that's not the life you want anyway. And I, I love that's why Paul says my grace, his grace is sufficient for my weakness. His strength is made perfect when I'm weak, right? So, yeah. so Paul has this struggle, this thorn in his flesh that he's like, God, free me from this struggle. And God's like, no, I'm going to leave that in your life. And yeah. it's going to keep you coming back to me. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know who I would be if there was not struggle in my life. Yeah. And as much as I ask God to free me from it, I know that in the struggle, that's where God is near to me. I know that's where I can come humbly to God. But that's, that's where humility comes from, is from the struggle. Like, who would you be had you never struggled, you know? And none of us would wish the things that we've gone through on ourselves or anyone else, but there is a part of us, and we see this in, in Paul's life as he um, as he's writing most of the New Testament, is this gratitude for the struggle. Yeah. That that's really where strength comes from, right? Like you strengthen yourself through the pain, through the struggle. Like somebody who is not struggling probably isn't very strong. Yeah. And, and so that's, the struggles, the, if you're struggling, that's the right place to be. I want to give you a few things because uh, the offer is peace. Uh, can we admit that we need, a, we need more peace in the world? Yeah. Uh, and can we acknowledge your friends and neighbors are looking for more peace. They're looking for yeah. more peace. They're looking for more hope, right? Like the obs absence of uh, worry really is peace. Uh, the absence of anxiety really is hope. Yeah. And that is what Jesus offers. And so I want to talk to you about what peace is not uh, before we talk about what it is. Because peace is not numbness. Some of you, you're, you're, you want peace, so you're choosing numbness. It's why you're watching Netflix till 2 a.m., right? 
which is not helping you probably. Now you're just tired and depressed, so it's not making things better. Peace is not the easy life. Again, the promise is not that you will never struggle. The promise is that Jesus will be present with you in the struggle, and you have a church family to join you on the journey. Peace is not certainty. It's not like, well, I'm going to write you a map for your future, and so you're going to know everything that's going to happen. No, peace is knowing that God does have a plan for you, and that you don't need to know every step. You need to know the step in front of you, and that's all he's going to give you sometimes. Peace is not control. It doesn't mean that you can actually control your life. So many people struggle with anxiety and fear because they're trying to control their life, and God is the only one that can control this world. Like, you cannot. And so at, at whatever point you, you give that up and you actually release that reality is the point that you might get some peace. And then peace is not prosperity. It doesn't mean that you're going to get rich or, or that you're going to, you know, get the future you want or, or that your kids are going to turn out perfect. Again, it just means that God is trustworthy. That's, that's the peace that God is offering yeah. you. So how would you define peace? Well, like, so that's, those are the things peace is not. But what peace is, is understanding who you are in Christ. Understanding that you have a right relationship with God, that at the end of the day, that if you have said yes to Jesus, you are a child of God. Romans talks about an heir to the throne, co-heirs with Christ, that there is something coming that will far supersede anything that you could hope for in this life. In fact, Paul says, like, it's not even worth comparing. What, what is coming for us, the hope that we have uh, with Jesus' return, is not even worth comparing to the, the problems that we have in this world. See, peace is calm in the storm. Yeah. Peace is calm in our, in our soul when the storm is raging around the exterior. See, we think peace is no storm. That is not peace. Peace is calm within the storm. I think of Peter when he goes to his execution, and they basically say, you got any last words? And he says, yeah, crucify me upside down, because I don't, I'm not even worthy to be crucified the same way my Savior was. In that moment, Peter has peace, and yet he's being executed for his faith. In the midst of the storm, he has peace. That is the peace that Christ mm. offers to all of us. Yeah, the perspective of Jesus really is what gives us peace. I mean, there's, there's always part of us that, that we don't see ourselves the way that Christ does. Mm. And so that's, that's what we're trying to do, is align our perspective of yeah. ourselves and of our lives with what Jesus sees. And, and so that every week when we come together for church, the reason that we want to do this consistently is because I don't know about you, but I need not just weekly, but daily a reminder of what God sees. Yeah. And when you get reminded of what God sees, uh, you can watch what's on CNN and not freak out quite so much, right? You can see what's going on in Ukraine and not just be filled with horror and with fear. You go, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what's broken in the world, and I've already grieved the fact that the world is broken, you know? And, and I think that's something that a lot of Christians haven't done yet. Like, yeah. you've got to slow down and look at the world and go, yes, it's, it's going to be broken, and I'm going to see more in the future that still doesn't look like the kingdom of God, because what else can a world apart from God do, right? When you see things coming politically that you're like, I don't agree with that. Just so you know, you're going to expect more of that because what can people do that don't follow God other than reject the things of God? And so that, we have to acknowledge and grieve those things and not get caught up in fear, but be motivated by the mission, right? right. To go bring yep. the, the hope and peace of Jesus to a dying world. I want to talk about real quick because I think that uh, he gives us really three things that we can do when it comes to our anxiety and, and our, our fears. And uh, in, in, in Philippians, he, the first thing he says is don't worry which again feels kind of uh, not helpful, right? Like, just don't. If I, if I could just not, then I wouldn't, but 
what does it mean to just not worry, Josh? Yeah, just stop just worrying. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> well, again, I, I go back to this idea of um, of the of your thought patterns, right? Like, and I go back to when when he when he says don't worry, right? He says stop worrying, but then he says replace that worry with something, right? And I think just too often we just live in our worry. We, we go there and think about the what could, the what if, the divided mind. Okay, I got some stuff to do now, but man, tomorrow's coming. And what does Jesus say? He says, look, don't worry about tomorrow. He says, don't, don't worry about tomorrow. And he says, tomorrow's got enough problems that it's going to have its problems. Just fo- focus on today and what, what I'm doing in you and through you today. And, um, and I think worry, too, um, Sometimes it's, it's just there. It's like lingering, and we've never really given it much thought of why. And if, if you can't diagnose where it comes from, and sometimes we need professional help to do this, mm-hmm. but if you can't diagnose where it's coming from, you can't really deal with it the correct way. And even in, in Psalm 139, uh, the writer writes this. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Listen to this. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me into the way of understanding. So it's this idea of, of God, is there, there's anxiety in my heart. Show me where it's at. Yeah. Let me see it and so I can start to work on it. Yeah, somebody asked, like, how do I comfort a friend that's dealing with depression? And uh, all I can say is just listen. Mm-hmm. I, I think this, the awkwardness about this conversation is creating the problem. Yeah. Right? Like the discomfort of like, oh, man, this person, whew. I don't know what to say. Here's the thing. You don't have to say anything. Like most of the time when you're suffering, you don't need someone to fix your problems. You just need someone to sit with you. And that's like, I mean, that, that is like grieving 101. For anybody here who knows somebody who's grieving or going through loss or dealing with depression, grieving 101 is don't try to fix their problems. You'll yeah. screw it up more than you think. I know I will. And so I just need to sit there and listen and be with them, right? And sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is the ministry of presence. It's just to be there. And there's been more times than, than, than I'd like to count where I've walked into a hospital room with people who are going through something terrible. And uh, trust me, uh, you never feel more inadequate than you do in those moments. And all I can do is just walk in and put my hand on the shoulder. Because I have nothing that is, that is even worthy of being said in those moments. And the truth is, I don't need to say anything. I just need to create a space where they're safe and they're able to share the things that they're struggling with. So he says, don't worry. The next thing he says is, tell God. Mm-hmm. Tell God. Like, we live in this, I, I think, honestly, even, especially in the church where prayer is sort of a last-ditch effort, right? Like, I just cringe when I'm around a bunch of Christians, and they're like, well, all we can do is pray, right? Like, we've done everything we can, and now all we can do is pray. Like, like this is your last-ditch effort is going to the God of the universe to help with your problems. <laughs> I mean, this should be the very first thing that we do is we tell God, we're suffering. And yes, you're like, well, he already knows. Yeah, but he wants to hear you verbalize it. He wants to hear you acknowledge it. And he wants to heal you through that. We all know that this happens like in relationships that when something's verbalized and acknowledged, it can be healed. And yet we go, well, God already knows, so I'm not going to talk to him. Isn't it funny? And some of these questions are talking about how we reject the very thing that could heal us. How when we need people the most is when we isolate. How when we need God the most is when we run from him. And this just shows you how twisted our hearts are and how, how I, I think really the enemy works to lie to us to say like, hey, the best thing to do now is to just accept that you are unloved and unlovable. Mm. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. Amen. So I, I want you to hear that today. Like that is a lie. You yes. need to start by not, I mean, really just, just 
acknowledge the worry and then telling God. And then the third thing he says is fix your thoughts. Fix yeah. your thoughts. Fix just, just fix them. Just fix them. Fix your thoughts and you'll be fine, people. Right. All right. Now, he's not saying fix your thoughts like pop open the hood, get the wrench out and just fix them. Right. What he's saying is, what are you fixating your thoughts on? Yeah. What are your thoughts fixed on? Fix your thoughts on God. Yeah. Fix your thoughts on truth. Fix your thoughts on his goodness and replace those lies from the enemy. Replace the lies you've told yourself. Replace the lies that society has told you and fix your thoughts on God. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, Paul says this in, in chapter 10. He says, listen to this, take every thought captive. Think about that. Take every, do you know how many thoughts go through my mind every day? Right. Take every single one of them captive. It's a lot to grab. That is, it, yes. I think in our society today, with just the massive amount of information coming at us and all this stuff, we've gotten really lazy mentally, like super lazy mentally. And what ends up happening, the problem with that is we allow thoughts to come into our mind, and we don't even pay attention to them as they come in. And then they start bouncing around in there, and then they take up residence. Now all of a sudden we have these thoughts living rent-free in our mind that are telling us that we're worthless, that are telling us that we should just really be hating ourselves, that will tell us that we've screwed up too much to ever receive God's grace, to tell us that, oh man, everyone knows what you've done and you're pathetic. Like Those thoughts start living in our mind because we don't take every thought captive, and we allow it to live there when we do that. And so how to combat that is this. How do you take every thought captive? Because it's hard because we don't get to control every thought that comes into our minds. Okay, so just so you understand, just because it's in your head doesn't mean you put it there or you even um, uh, like allowed it to come in there in the beginning. Like sometimes thoughts come into our minds and we don't have control over that. And that's, that's okay. That's, that's the reality of things. Um, people even get tripped up when they get tempted with things. We're like, oh, I'm tempted with this thing again. It's like, well, no, there's no sin in temptation. Jesus mm. himself was tempted. And so yeah. these thoughts that come into your mind that are tempting or depressing or whatever it is, sometimes the enemy just whispers them in our ear. But what we do with them from there, we get to decide. And so uh, I love this idea um, uh, of sitting around a campfire. This is how we handle these thoughts. Is if you would imagine yourself sitting around a campfire and there's a big log, big dry log in that campfire, and inevitably that, that log just, boom, it kind of pops and embers go flying in the air. And all of a sudden, an ember lands in your lap. At this moment, if you've ever experienced this before, sitting around campfire, at this moment, you have two choices. Your first choice is this. Ow, that really burns. Ow, <laughs> ow. That's, it's hurting. Guys, check this ember. It's really burning right now. Ow. I mean, you could choose to do that. You might be psycho if that's what you choose, but you could choose to do it and just allow it to sit there and burn you and hurt you. Or you could do what most people do, and you're like, whoa, 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 get that thing off of me, mm. right? When these thoughts come into our head, and we take them captive, and we recognize, this, is, this thought's damaging. This yeah. thought is going to hurt me. This thought is not leading me towards God. I got to get that out of my head by praying about it. God, I just pray that you would remove this thought right now, that I, I surrender to you, and I reject this thought. Now, it doesn't mean you forget that all of a sudden it's like wiped, you know, men in black style from your memory, but you, right. you know what to do with it. Nope, I reject that thought. Comes back in. Nope, in the name of Jesus, I reject that thought. And you battled this mm -hmm. throughout the day. That is taking every thought captive and not letting those things just stay there and bring us lower into a place of depression. Right, and that's not acknowledging reality. I think that's what sometimes people think is yeah. it's like, you got to stick your head in the sand right. to be optimistic, and that's not true at all. No. Like, like true biblical optimism is seeing how broken the world is, yet seeing how good Jesus is. 
And so, like, like not, not missing out on that reality. And some of y'all, like, let's be real, um, we're doing this to ourselves. Like, if you're going to wake up and the first thing you do is, uh, you know, get on social media and see what blew up last night, you will spend your day in anxiety. Like, that's just a promise to you. So some of you guys just need to be like, no Facebook till noon or no social media till like after lunch, right? I got to get my coffee first and, and, and that's not helping. Or like, you're just binging like crap on Netflix and it's messing you up. And, yeah. and we noticed this the other day for my wife and I where we were like, man, uh, we were watching this series. We we're like three episodes in and I shut it off and I'm like, I just can't watch this anymore. And Amanda's like, yeah, we got to stop. This is just depressing. I mean, you know, it's like, like we needed to watch something else to clean our mind out, to cleanse the palate after watching this really depressing series. And so some of that is just the reality. If you're going to wake up and watch Fox News or whatever for the first five minutes when your eyes are open, just expect that you're going to be depressed for the rest of the day. Like it's just whatever, you're, whatever it is that you're, you're using in that yeah. way, it's probably yeah. damaging you. So just be aware of those things in your life um, that are hurting you. Uh, there's so many good questions, you guys. I, I wish we could do this all day long. But yeah. I want to talk about something that's kind of exciting. Josh, um, you have something that's coming up here uh, that connects in with this idea of finding hope. Yeah. Uh, so we started something a little over a year ago here at ACF Church called Hope to Alaska. And we know that there are so many people that need to get professional counseling. In fact, I would argue that all of us need to get professional counseling. And... The number one reason people don't get the counseling they need is they can't afford it. It's expensive. And so at ACF Church, we said, what can we do to make a difference? We can pay for people to get professional counseling. Get your counseling on us. And so that's what we did. We started HopeToAlaska.com a year ago. Yeah, yeah, let's celebrate that. And so in the last year, it's been amazing. Uh, we've seen over $100,000 come in in support come so on, that we can awesome. do this. That's so good. Um, We've seen over 100 people get into kind of the queue and start progressing forward with getting the counseling that they need, um, and, and, but we're not done. I'm looking at that going, that's not enough. And so um, we need to raise awareness, and I'd love to see 200 people get the counseling they need this year. And so one of the ways we're going to raise funds for this, raise awareness for this, is uh, in two weeks, I get to leave and go to Nepal. And I get to go to Everest Base Camp, and then I get to go summit a mountain called Lobache, which is right next to Everest, 20,000 plus foot uh, summit on that. And doing this all to raise awareness and to raise funds for a hope to Alaska. And so I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, I'm talking about it a ton on my social media. You can follow me um, on Instagram and Facebook and follow the journey and, and ACF also, uh, their social media will be uh, pushing it and posting it. But let me just say, if you, if you need... Hope to Alaska. If you need the funding, you can go to hopetoalaska.com, okay? And there's two buttons there. One says give hope and one says get hope. And if you want to support the, uh, what my trip and what I'm doing and just really raising awareness and raising funds, if you want to give to Hope to Alaska, you just need to click the give hope. And if you need help, you can just click the get hope. And part of this, the, I, I would say the bigger thing right now is to raise awareness for this. Yeah. And I would encourage all of you today, like if, if you want to help me in this trip, to Nepal and, and on my climbs, um, you can help me in this way. Go to hopetoalaska.com, copy the URL link, and then share it in your social media. That is probably the number one way that you could help and support me in this trip. Yeah. And this counseling isn't just for people dealing with suicide right. uh, or su suicidal ideation. This is anybody, anybody who needs counseling. If you're dealing with marriage issues, yeah. 
if you're dealing with uh, just some, some old baggage that you need to work through, like it really is for anyone. And yeah. so uh, make sure you get into that process. We also have these flags on the front of the stage. And as we worship here in a few minutes, um, I want you to think of the name of one person that needs some hope right now. And I want you to come up, and uh, you're going to have to move around a little bit. I know that some of the rows are long, and so feel free to elbow the person next to you, and they'll, they'll let you out. But come on up and write the name of that person, and then Josh is going to bring these flags to the summit of the mountain. Yeah. He's going to hang them up on the summit of the mountain and just be praying for all of uh, the, the men and women that need hope right now. Yeah. And so uh, make sure you come up and put a name on a flag yeah, here. Yeah, you can be praying today. over all these names throughout the trip. And there's stickers up here. Grab a sticker, slap it on a water bottle, slap it on your computer, and just yeah. allow that to raise conversation um, about Hope to Alaska. And if you have any more questions about my trip or Hope to Alaska, I'll be right outside by our Hope to Alaska booth, uh, and you can come up and, and ask questions. Yeah, it's so good. Let me close with this. This is Philippians 4 9. It says, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, again, then the God of peace will be with you. So there's something for you to do, right? There's a way to respond to your depression, to your anxiety, and to your worry. And the way we respond is we first bring it to God. And the second thing we do is we bring it to each other. And so I want you to be willing to both receive that from someone else today, but also to give that, to, to, to share your struggle with someone here uh, today. And so I, I just love that idea. God will give us peace. That's the promise. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, thank you so much that you are meeting us here today. And, and God, I pray over all the questions that we couldn't even get to. Father, we know that you are um, actively working in our lives and that you are a God of peace in a world of turmoil. Father, help us to be a safe community for people to struggle. God, help us to be in touch with our own feelings. Sometimes we don't even know what's wrong, but something seems wrong in our lives. Help us to come to an understanding of those things. Would your Holy Spirit then infuse us with the truth? God, we need the truth. We need to be healed by the way that you see us. God, so rewire our minds through the power of the Holy Spirit to see ourselves the way that Jesus sees us every day. We love you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you stand up, you can come forward and write a name on the flag. We love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.